of all boys WV, it's me, your card-carrying crypto zoologist, Dave Chaffins, and joining me is my favorite, son of a Mothman, Austin O'Connor. How's it going? It's, it's going great, man. How, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel pleased about our guest that we have here today that I've never As talked to in my life before. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce the man himself. You may know him from such things as Chad the Fallout 76 podcast. You may know him from uh, the Fallout Hub. You may know him from uh, a strange baloney video from back in the day. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Kenneth Vigue. You weren't supposed to share that video, Dave. I, I, you know, this is... I trusted you. This is, this is out there. It's out there. How are you? I, get, I think we're I need doing to well. Know. I think I we're doing well. There is no I, I need to know about this. It doesn't exist. It doesn't okay. exist. No. Uh, yeah, my, my week's been going well. Um, I have I've been doing a lot of uh, yard work. It's so nice. Beautiful, beautiful weather. It's going to rain, though, soon. You know, everyone's favorite podcast discussion topic is the weather. You know, everybody loves hearing about the weather because it's all relevant oh. to exactly where you are. You know what I mean? Right. Well, here, I feel like we just skipped over the end of winter and just like went straight. Like it was like full spring. Like normally there's a little transition, but it's just been like 70 degrees every day. Yeah, here's know. been in the 60s. So everything's melting pretty quickly, which I'm yeah. pretty happy mm. about. I was done. I was so done with winter. Yeah. It pandemic added into it. It just, I was about to go crazy. Yeah, I imagine up where you're at, the first snow, you're like, oh, that's fun. The second one, you're like, okay. And then once you get to the third one and on and on and on, you're like, I'm, I'm good. I'm, we had, I'm very it's good. The, it's the ice storms. I like how we're sitting here to talk about the weather. But uh, this particular <laughs> winter, I, I, I think it's just extended periods indoors. Every time it would snow, I would literally stand at the window and then scream obscenities. Like, <laughs> I was visibly angry. <laughs> And the plow truck guy will sit around the corner. He does it on purpose. He uh. waits. That, that <laughs> bastard sits right around the corner of the street. He sees me pedal on inside. He's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and then he'll just shove everything right into the end of the driveway where I just snowblowed. So I go out and I clean it up. And then he comes back the other way and for some reason veers off into the left side of the road. So, so where you are, oh, you can go ahead. Dave. No, you can go ahead. I, I love you so much. Go ahead. <laughs> so where you are, Ken, like, what's the earliest? When do you normally get the first snow of the year? Uh, usually mid-November. Okay, um, so fairly early. Yeah, sometimes it's it's earlier because I'm up in the mountains of New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, so winter will sometimes start earlier. And then other years, like we had a Christmas that was a few years ago where it was 80 out. I'm just like, okay. Huh. This is strange. This is weird. Do you swear by a, uh, like a, a snow plow or are you like a shoveler? What's the, what's the snow gear? Do you have like those old school tennis racket snowshoes that you put on? Like what's the, what's the setup? I have a dog sled team that I keep tied to the porch railing. And uh, <laughs> I usually will do that. One of them is a big husky and he has like this, this keg of whiskey just in case I freeze out there in a snowbank. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. That's that's pretty handy up here. 
Um, What's their names? You know, you've got to name them all. You know, I, I assume that there's one name and then maybe you go and like, you know, you're, you're a gym one, gym two, gym three, because I mean, that's a pack. Yeah. I started with Biff and Jessica and then I just went straight to punctuation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Colon. Get over here. Semicolon. The, the smaller one, you know, get over here. Exclamation point though. He's always hyped. Mm, question mark? I'm, I really do love how Dave, Dave was like, everyone wants to hear about the weather. And we really did just run with it there. We, we did. Was, I, I love that. <laughs> I just love that for us. We did. We, we 100% ran, ran for it all. Um, what about you guys? How, how's, how's your weeks going? How is, how is your situation? What's your life status? Give me an update. Think it's Facebook in 2013. Give me like, Kenneth Vigue is... Like eating some broccoli. What's the update? Right now? I'm, yeah, just this week, you know? You know? Summarize it. I wanted to be like your, this is like your video diary. Don't call it a vlog. This is a video diary. <laughs> Appalachia, day 36. Um, <laughs> that's where it all began. Mm. Uh, I'm having a productive week. That's mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's I'm, good. I'm quite busy. What about you, a dog? Oh, man. Just so much going on in my life. Yeah. Actually, there's nothing going on in my life. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I'm kind of with Ken. It's been a productive, it's been like a quiet week for once. I don't know. It's like, I feel like the weather got warm and everybody else has things going on now. And I feel like I've been able to like get my own stuff done for once. I don't know. It's been nice. It's been like, it's like the calm before the storm. I feel like it's been too quiet this week. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it has. I think it has been pretty quiet. Uh, just to denote, our special guest today, Kenneth Vigue, um, has kind of got his start a few years ago in the podcasting game, doing a scripted uh, Fallout seventy six based uh, podcast uh, where he writes original stories using some of the lore characters, etc., from the game. And his, I, I won't say that he's like produced it but he's extremely produced i'd like he's produced it out to uh, like the first time i heard this i was like you this doesn't sound like it was made by one person it sounds like that right. it was like went through a studio and you had all of these like you had all the big wigs in there sitting down trying to figure it's truly amazing. Um, Dave, I keep this yeah. curtain closed because there are uh, people that are, are paid um, in beans uh, and with shoes. There's a whole team of them that I brought over here yeah. uh, from the, a mysterious village in a jungle somewhere. Um, and they're the entire production team. It seems like that you run, you have a lot of like empl employees in your service because you have this team from the jungle and you've got your, your, uh, your huskies. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I guess, you know, that's where all the, the dog food goes is to them. But all of the beans, I mean, how do you get any protein in that house if you're giving all your beans and shoes away, you know? I have to keep some of the production secrets secret. Okay. 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 But it sounds like you have an answer for everything. Like you have a solution for everything. That's, uh, that's the wonder of imagination. For being malnourished, they, I feel like they produce well, though. I feel like the production value is just through the roof. Yeah, I find if you play Christmas music 365 days a year, uh, yeah. it can build them up into kind of a frenzy where they're just 
on the edge of insanity enough to to create some of our best work yet. <laughs> I love it. This is like a great. This is like you should change your website to all of this information that you've given have been like behind the scenes. You know, now we're we pull back the curtain and here is you know. Little Jimmy Two Shoes working at the working at the counter. Here, little Jimmy Two Shoes, a bean for you, sir. And you and you like place it down. They're so thankful. This house has a sister, and they're all down there. <laughs> so I've kind of pitched the show. I, I'm not sure how we got to this level of pitching, but uh, can kind of kind of add on to that. What 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 all is Chad of Fallout seventy six podcast? Um, we are a a dark comedy that is heavily centered around the meta of fallout 76. Um, when it originally started, it, it was just some short random journal entries, um, that accompanied some hilarious glitch photos of, you know, people hovering in the air. Um, there was one where uh, a scorched head would elongate um, that allowed you to stand behind it for some hilarious photos. So all of these kind of weird, kind of glitchy things uh, that were just really funny became fodder for writing. So I would take a picture and I would think, can you imagine if somebody was experiencing this in the first person? Like they emerge out into the world to try and rebuild civilization. Uh, and, you know, they see somebody floating down the street in a seated position or, um, you know, someone with a scorched midsection head thing. Um, all of these kind of weird things. And it became about these two characters, um, Chad and Simon, who um, one is this, this typical kind of sad sack um, where everything is, is really half empty. And then the other one is Chad, who's a traditional jock type, who when you first meet him, you're hearing everything from Simon's perspective. So you're, he you're hearing exactly what the stereotypical Chad you imagine would be, which is this kind of jock bro type um, who just seems to enjoy everything. Uh, everything is fairly easy. Um, like Chad doesn't really encounter any major issues in the world in the same way that Simon is constantly tortured by every minor inconvenience. Um, and it started out just me reading those stories. Um, but by episode three, I had a, two concerns. One is I was worried that over time, people get tired of just hearing my voice. Uh, and two, uh, I wanted to tell bigger stories, but I was limited by being able to do so um, because it, it, it felt very audiobookish. Mm -hmm. um, so I brought in... I did a casting call um, on the Fallout 76 forums uh, on Facebook and then Reddit and started with a full cast. Um, and episode four is kind of a soft reboot of the show. It's when the show kind of came into its modern iteration, which is a full cast, dark comedy, radio drama. It's kind of a weird composite between a little bit of South Park with Monty Python uh, as if it made love to a sweet, beautiful, old, uh, you know, radio. <laughs> <laughs> Playing 1940s kind of radio dramas. Um, 
I love that descriptiveness of that. That really yeah. put that painted the picture in my head right there. Yeah, it's a weird. Yeah, it, we're a weird composite, and over time has gone on. Um, some of our episodes have become more dramatic or serious in tones as others, particularly going into season two, where the stakes are a lot higher. Um, some of the Bethesda employees, Pete Hines, um, Lady Devon, who's a community manager, and Ferret Bowden, who's um, one of their their lead writers for Fallout 76, are joining the cast for very particular characters. Um, they're they're going to be dealing with some of the more serious um, elements of the show that are are dealing with one very big question, which is death. If suspended, if death has no consequence, what would you do? How would you act? Um, hmm. The characters become more casual, doling out death and violence because it doesn't mean anything. Um, and because of that, because of that that level of um, disregard for life, it dramatically affects the characters in different ways. Um, leading up to what ultimately will be a conflict at the end of this season that will see the battle for Appalachia. Yeah, that the idea and and it's interesting to go back and, and, and listen to, to some of season one. I, I ended up binging all of season one on a drive that I, I took from um, from Charleston up to Philly. And my favorite thing, my favorite like recurring thing is their experience with death. And how they're all like joking about, oh, I'm just gonna die and I'm gonna respawn and it's gonna be fine because that's an in-game mechanic and it's like almost taking that and saying, okay, now that's a, a core part of the story. I thought that that was really funny and it and it made for it made for interesting content of not only like you know the things that you would expect from a Fallout narrative is like how are we gonna survive in a post-apocalyptic world, but it's like really that, but also what the heck is going on. Why can we just sometimes respond randomly? Like I, I feel like that that's a really creative idea. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, one of the the questions that we will be answering this season is what the hell is going on? Why is it that vault dwellers exclusively have this state by which they completely are resurrected? Healed, renewed. Um, so our, I had to introduce the concept of the atomic shop, um, which I did. So in between the state of life and death, so before a person is resurrected, they find themselves in this purgatory state, which is the atomic shop, um, and it is kind of this this nightmarish hellscape of endless aisles of merchandise. <laughs> Um, and these whispering voices, um, it's kind of a terrifying place. In order to get out of that place, you have to pay a price, um, which in this case is quite literally blood. Um, when you're reborn for the first few times around, you don't remember any of that. But each time you come back, um, you're essentially a copy of a copy. You're a copy of yourself where there's a little bit less of you and you're you start seeing weird things in the world. Um, it distorts your perception. Um, so a lot of the glitch mechanics that we see in the game, I'm explaining away as the um, the mania or the the slow losing of insanity 
from dying, getting tortured in this place uh, for an extended period of time, but coming back almost instantly. Um, time moves differently in the atomic shop than it does in the real world. Like that, the idea of of, of connecting all of these things, I think is I think is really really fun and interesting. And I, I don't think that you really yeah. you see maybe an exploration of one kind of mechanic like that. Like um, uh, in the seminal Tom Cruise film Live Die Repeat, like the idea of 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 respawn, also called what was the other name for that movie? It had a Emily Blunt in it. And she was like tearing up some people. Does anybody know? Nobody? Nobody? Bueller? Well, I, I can't tell you. Can't oh, tell you. Well, essentially, Tom Cruise like keeps on dying to these aliens. And then every time he dies, he just like wakes up oh, at the beginning of the I day. Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. I, like, I had, for some reason, completely blocked that from my memory. I yeah. Vanilla like, Sky? No, no, no. No, no but, that's a different one. Yeah. No, it wasn't Iron Sky either. It was, it was like, yeah, it was, it was very, what was that? I mean, it was like a, it was an action sci-fi film, but essentially yeah. he had gotten he had gotten infected with this thing where every day he like when he died he would just reset the loop, and so he started as like somebody that was really terrible, like he didn't know how to fight, mm -hmm. he wasn't supposed to be in the battlefield, but like by all the different iterations, he's like memorized all of the different Edge of Tomorrow. They're saying, yeah, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Of tomorrow. they renamed it Live Die Repeat. Which is kind really? of stupid. Why? Yeah, they, yeah. They officially renamed that movie "Live Die Repeat," which is weird. That's odd. Yeah, huh? That is weird. But but yeah, that idea of just resurrection, I I I love that you have toyed with that. So like when you're when you're writing these out, like how far in advance normally do you do you have like an idea, um, like where you're going from the beginning? Do you just kind of find your way there? Like what's your writing process like? I started with the arc. Um, mm -hmm. So way back when I sat down and started writing episode four to introduce all the characters, um, I figured out what the arc over four seasons would be. So I had a four season plan for specifically what I wanted to do. Um, and usually each season I'll sit down and come up with um, I work backwards from that. Um, so last season was all about the characters making their way in this world and trying to understand how to survive um, and connect with one another and the tease of a mystery. But also it ended with them being put on trial, which was the stage show that we did at Bethesda Game Days um, in Boston. Um, after the trial, everything kind of changed. You know, the overseer comes back after being uh, arrested and imprisoned for, for serial killing uh, as the sickle man. Um, and then uh, going into this season, um, I knew where we were going to end the season with the battle, where you have on one side, you have people fighting to restore death as a state by destroying... Um, something that is causing it to not be so. Um, so you get teased with a little bit of that. And then on the other side, you have people who recognize that in a survival situation, this is the ultimate insurance policy. The world is incredibly dangerous. So for a permanent death to be reinstated, particularly if you're like Chad, you have a lot to lose. Um, his relationship with Susie develops where he's become more of a father figure to her. 
which over time has really changed people's perception about who Chad is and who Simon is. You eventually find out that Simon is, is the, the, the ultimate um, false protagonist where he is in fact a villain. And Chad, um, even though he's really, that, that gang dwells in a really morally gray area because, you know, they steal from people and they kill people uh, with trap camps and things like that. And yet they're honest about who they are and what they're about. And they very much care for each other, particularly Chad caring very much for Susie and, and filling that void of a father figure after she lost hers. Um, so he doesn't want death to be returned. Um, yeah, I kind of outline all of that and then work backwards. But the okay. script I usually write probably a month before we start actually production of it. Cool. I, I just, I was thinking about like when I, when I listen, I always just wonder like how much of it, you know, you go into already knowing this is going to play into this, going to play into this, or if you just, yeah. So thank you. That, most that clears that up. Most of it's up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been very successful. I mean, kudos to you on, on really, you know, y you and your, your cast and the other people that are, you know, helping out with the writing and production. You just got a, a composer, um, all the people that have kind of done all that stuff. Caden uh, is amazing. We're so lucky to have him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that's one of your ideas. In our next segment today, I want to know, from each of you, what a million dollar idea is. Now this can be, you, you essentially have a million dollars, you execute this idea, and ideally you're gonna make that buy, ideally. All right? So as everybody had ample time to think about this, I'm not springing it on anybody, you know, I've, I've come prepared today, I'm, there's gonna be no surprises, I don't have anything up my sleeve, I have very short sleeves, be very little up those sleeves. Does everybody feel good about it? I feel okay. 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 All right. Then we'll start with you. A dog. I'm just. I'm right. just gonna t stick a with dog. that. A dog. D a w g. Um, million dollar idea. Mm -hmm. I thought I was thinking today because I was texting you and I was like, "What's a million? Like, what am I gonna? What am I gonna come up with?" Mm -hmm. And I determined. I, I was eating lunch at the, at that time. Every time I eat like potato chips or any sort of chip or Cheetos, whatever. There's always so like the, like the dust, like the crumbs are on your fingers, right? Mm -hmm. Why have we not figured out a substitute, something in the food to where like, that's not going to stick to your finger. You know what I mean? Cause then like half the time I'm working, I'm on my computer, I'm like right. snacking or I'm playing video games, maybe eating some chips. And then you, you got to clean your hands off or you get it all over everything. And then like, furthermore, if I have some money left over after we figured out how to not have the crumbs, like, why are bags not clear? I want to see what I'm getting in these products. You know what I That's mean? That's true. Like, because, like, sometimes these bags may have been dropped. That Like, you get the little broken chips nobody likes. Like, I want, like, some girth in my chips. You know what I mean? Like, I want something. Like, I want to make sure I'm not getting, like, a little, like, sun chip that's broken into right. four pieces you know you want a chip that you're gonna put in your mouth and it's gonna scrape the corners of your mouth and you gotta go exactly. get a napkin like yeah it, i want a serious see what chip i already accept the fact that like half the bag is gonna be air like mm -hmm. i get that i get i can compromise we mm -hmm. don't have to change anything about that but just mm -hmm. give me a clear bag so i can see like tostitos they they kind of almost have it 
because there's like some you can kind of mm-hmm. like some some of the bags you can kind of see into. Yes. And and like a lot of off-brand, um, like nachos, like those type of chips, like um, sort of. But it's like you know, like sun chips, ruffles. Like let's let's talk. You know, let's get mm-hmm. something. And I don't know. I just think that that would be. I, I'd have even more money left over after that. I could throw that at cinnamon toast, cinnamon toast crunch and help them with their problems right now. They're having they're having a lot of problems. Yeah. You know, you know that they have a lot of sugar apparently in that yeah. uh, in their cereals. Yeah. In yeah. my day, when there was a prize in the box, we didn't complain. <laughs> I don't know what the issue is. I had all sorts of shrimp. If I could have shrimp, if I could have shrimp cocktail in my breakfast cereal, I mean that'd be pretty sweet. You know that sounds like a New England thing of like going to buy a box of cereal and it's like, oh, here's some fish products that just happen to fall in as well. All right, mussels in a white wine sauce, kick ass. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of thrown in there. Uh, A Tupperware container with the name Judy on top of it. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's my idea. Those are those are my ideas. That's all I yeah. got today. Ethical chip dispersion. I like it. Just be honest with the people, you know? Yeah. Just yeah. let us know what we're getting. Mm-hmm. I like it. What about you, Ken? All right, so hear me out. Yep. West Virginia. Mm-hmm. What is their number one most popular product? Pepperoni rolls? Uh, or coal. Coal? I would say coal. <laughs> or pepper. Both of you are wrong. It is, in fact, the statue of the Mothman. Oh, okay. true. Okay. okay. Fair People enough. travel Fair from all over, and when they stand in front of that Mothman, they all do the very same thing. Do they take a picture of the front? Oh, no. Do they take a picture of the head? No. They take a picture of that sweet, sweet stainless steel backside. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, he is double-cheeked up. Thank you so for noticing. Hear me out. Picture that backside on your desk, at the office, on a table at home maybe, by the door to greet guests. Split right down the middle to collect envelopes, your bills, maybe outgoing yes. mail, the, the yes. ultimate mail slot. Can you speak in my language? <laughs> This needs to happen. This is the best million dollar idea we've had on this show. And I, I'll, I listen, I'll invest in this idea. If you, I'll, I'll be a part of this. Well, I mean, you this can only invest by mail. That's the. It's on giving. <sighs> Mothman's ass. He is, he is, he's, he is caked up. I'm telling you. I don't know what the, I just picture the person that made that sculpture was just like, I'm about to do it. I'm about to do it. And just double cheeked up. I need that on my desk. Just like he 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 looks like the the character from the the Aerosmith album cover, just like a nice chrome person, <laughs> just like all. I mean, if you look really close, you can see like the infinity symbol in it. Like like there's there's some fierce <laughs> symmetry there. Like yeah, the secrets of the universe are locked inside the the perfect fold and shape of of that posterior. I gotta make a drive to Point Pleasant this weekend. I'm gonna have to go. Uh. Yeah, I think I think getting that getting that out into the market. I mean, what a conversation piece, you know? Like what, what you know? Yeah. You ha- you'd have to talk about it. You'd have to you'd have to say something about it, and then I mean, it becomes. It can open up, 
like, like, could you imagine that becoming the staple fifth anniversary gift? <laughs> and like, you could have, you could have small ones mounted to rings. Like, oh, that would be cool. I went to Point Pleasant instead of I went to Jared. She just kind of holds it up. <laughs> yeah. Like there, just kind of glistening. You could probably put a rock in the middle of it. Nice diamond, maybe, you know, a couple of carrots. Yeah. That would be, that would be beautiful. Just like how like Myrtle Beach has like wings, like those stores with like the towels and all the novelties. Like we yes. need to get one of those in Point Pleasant. And it's just like different variations of Mothman's ass, just like stainless steel. Just whatever you want it on, we got it. Like this is right. Oh man. Like you know how small businesses have like the e-chip readers? Just like, you know, refashion that. Yeah. There you, you go. Know. Put your discover card Slide in that and see what you find, you know? <laughs> What's in your oh. wallet? Oh <laughs> man, you'll ask, baby. Oh, oh. I wonder uh, what is that made of? I, I, is, it, is it stainless? Like what? Like what do we what do we know about the construction of that? What do we actually know about the Mothman? Like the the physical material of the Mothman? Like it could be some yeah. like otherworldly stuff. It could be like some weird stuff. I just I feel like there's like two. So like my life was just changed to where like when I reference something, it's going going to be like pre Ken bringing this idea into my head. <laughs> And then like post because that's just oh that's gold. I am just that that turned my whole day around that you just brought that up. Wow, wow. Well, that's all the time we have this week. <laughs> wow, wow. I, I don't even know. I don't even know how I can follow that. But uh, my idea was grappling hooks. Um, uh, grappling hooks are kind of cool. I was I was watching the Justice League movie, which turned out to be kind of a lot of a lot of it was boring, a lot of it was okay, a lot of it well, I mean, some of it was 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 pretty good, but a lot of it was like let's let's watch a a music video, and it's like uh, MTV is around for a reason. Like there's you know nobody wants to watch that on the on the theater. We'll we'll go to YouTube and watch the music videos. Anyways, Batman was using his grappling hook, and I was thinking to myself, why aren't like regular people using grappling hooks all the time? You know, like as like a, oh, okay, I need to, you know, I need to go up to the third floor, but the stairs, you know, too hard. But if you had a good enough, I mean, he's got that grappling hook that's just like in his hand. And if he shot that and he can like, you know, click the little button and pull himself that away. I mean, that, that to me seems like a marketable product, you know? Yeah. Like you go to the stadium for a football game. You're like, oh man, I'm, I'm row, you know, ZZ seat three. You can just like grappling hook. Get right up there. So, did you do any research? Like, are there any actual real life like prototypes that have been created, or is that just the? But did I do any, did I do any research? What do I look like, Bruce Wayne? What do I look like, Elon Musk? Huh, Elon nah, Musk. It's like I made a flamethrower, and it's like it's not even a real flamethrower. He's like, haha, I made it, and I'm like, you should you should like watch old Vietnam War documentaries. Those are flamethrowers. What you made, sir, is a Bunsen burner. You made a Bunsen <laughs> burner, and it just looks like a stormtrooper gun. That's it. I would, <clears throat> I would be willing to pay like a full paycheck to watch you try to grapple hook from your backyard up to your roof, just like to to watch that happen. Okay, Thomas, we're thinking very small scale here. We're going to need a flatbed truck, mm -hmm. a grappling hook, and a trip to Point Pleasant. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. oh yeah, 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 just yeah. Keep driving. 
Just keep driving. Don't even <laughs> slow down. <laughs> we got Dave hanging out the back window, just ready to shoot. Mm-hmm. I need one of those. Um, I need like a chrome, <laughs> like full body suit. I need like a chrome full body suit. Like some people go to the go to the football games or whatever and have like the sleek suit or whatever it's called. You, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Have one of those and then like get onto the bridge and then like grapple up to the top of the bridge and like stand up there and look all chrome. You know, I'd ha- I'd have yeah, to make sure see... that my butt was good enough to model. You know, for blowing our cover, we got to be inconspicuous with this, you know. Yeah, I think if Dave dresses as the Mothman and stands in that same kind of weird check out my ass pose that he's doing there, um, you know, he could give us enough time to get away and then like yeah. mysteriously disappear. People would be like, oh, hey, there's the Mothman. It really yeah. is just Dave. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Trying to. I can see the resemblance a little bit. Or like try to Indiana Jones it and steal the Mothman statue, you know, so that we can get the. Because we obviously need like prototype specs if we're going to get this Mothman's you know butt situation, and then I can stand in for the amount of time that we take it back yeah. to our, our scanners. You know, I'll scope out the reasonable flexibility with like paper towel rolls and maybe some Elmer's glue with elbow macaroni. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a mixture of those things. I I think I could pretty much get the, the exact look. Here, I'll do I'll do a pose and I'll see I'll see if it works. All right, this is great podcast quality content. Is that everyone watch? Is that cl- everyone watch? Everyone watch. You know, pull your cars over to the side of the road, wreck them in a ditch, and look at my Mothman pose that's really terrible. I'll describe it for our at home viewers uh, as if I was at a golf match. Vault Boys will be back after the break. In a world where solid-state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta, people never stop loving atomic-powered everything. A chosen 500 stepped inside a subterranean vault to be spared the nuclear horror of the inevitable Great War. 25 years later, they emerge after the fallout settles to retake Appalachia. Among them, two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart in their epic struggle for survival. Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15, an intelligence of two, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope, but accidentally becomes a cannibal and wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast Queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road and crawling out from under the fallout. Two men. One wasteland. And so many nukes. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast. Rated R. Now streaming on your holotape player podcasty thing. Well, I think those are, I mean, I, I think that we've come up with some some genius genius level thinking today and i and i really think that we should just act on everything i think uh, collectively we should just act on all this um but Mm -hmm. when i asked you i said hey kenneth big you 
I like to use your full name. Uh, do you want to come on the podcast? And you were like, yeah, of course I'll come on, man. And then I remember you talking to me about some like really strange stuff back in the day about stories that your grandmother told you about like giant lobsters and like some strange old things. And I was thinking to myself, you know, now, now this very day, this very Wednesday would be a perfect time to bring you on to kind of, kind of talk about your weird experiences over the course of your lifetime. I mean, you know, from the paranormal end, I'm sure everybody, you know, outside of your, your bean counting fellows behind the curtain and your, you know, series of huskies, but some, some interesting weirdness going on. Yeah, it's funny because I was reminiscing about this this week. Um, my my family uh, on my father's side is French Canadian, and um, every summer my grandmother, um, our ancestral family home was on an island off the coast of New Brunswick. It had exactly like 558 people on it. It was just this this lobster fishing village, um, and it is about as far northeast as you can possibly go in North America. Mm. Um, so summer lasts like a week. Um, <laughs> but, uh, as soon as school would let out, my grandmother would, would pick my brother and I up from school and she'd already have the car packed and off we'd go. Um, and I just remember being that young, it would take forever to get there. Um, and then we finally would, would open the house for the summer and we just spend all of the summers there. There was no TV or anything. Eventually later on, we got a, a VCR, but um, particularly when I was young, it was just like every night was my grandmother playing cards. Um, she'd play solitaire and uh, I'd tend the the fire, the, the fireplace uh, and the wood stove. Um, and then we just listened to CBC radio. And even then, this was like the, the, the mid to, to late eighties, they were still playing these old school radio plays. Um, so that was pretty much every night and, you know, you wake up in the morning and, um, it's 12 acres right on the ocean. So, um, you just wander the, the woods and the bogs, um, and the beaches, which are pretty much empty. And, um, the island itself had so much folklore, um, people would come over to the house and visit all the time. It's a very, um, it's an odd thing when you live in the country or in an island community because everyone knows each other. Mm -hmm. So literally without even knocking, people will just walk in and like come over for a cup of tea. Um, they wouldn't call or anything. People just kind of show up and then people tell stories. So uh, particularly on a few times a summer, there would be like one night towards the end of the summer where all of the, the my grandmother's friends that she grew up with, the, the old crowd, would come over and then they would just sit around the wood stove telling these stories. Um, and when I was younger, I used to sleep on the cot next to the wood stove. That was kind of my spot. But, you know, when you're a little kid, you're kind of out in the open. You're supposed to be sleeping, but, you know, you're facing the wall and you're listening to all of these stories um, about monsters and witches uh and pirate treasure um that they're telling each other and i would never sleep awake <laughs> but you never forget these stories um yeah you don't the... you would never forget the stories <laughs> there was um a few of the more 
terrifying ones. One of which I experienced was the ghost car. Um, in order to describe it, so where where our house was was on a peninsula with maybe a dozen houses. Um, so once you're on the island, you would turn off down the side road and you would drive for 25 minutes on this dirt road over peat bog before you finally get to the beach and where we were, um, which was more of the English-speaking side of the island. Um, and that road was incredibly old. It was one of the oldest roads on the island. And at some point in the 1930s, there was uh, a visiting priest to the island whose car broke down on what we call the million-dollar hole. It's this sharp turn on the peat moss. Um, and on either side, because of the amount of snow they get there, the ditches are literally deadly. They're, they're six-feet ditches. So if you come tearing around that corner, you are going to eat the corner. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people have gotten into accidents and died there over the years. Um, so the, the priest was, you know, out in the road um, fixing his tire and around comes this car speeding, hits him, flings his body off into the bog um, and then the car off to the side. And it took them a while to find him because the, the bog is is surrounded on both sides by this weird kind of boggy quicksand. So if you can imagine um, like five to 10 feet of fresh water over which is a layer of this vegetation, you don't know when you're walking on it, that you're actually walking on something that, you know, you could drown in or it's, it's mixed with some of the peat becomes very quicksand like. Um, so even my great grandfather, my great great grandfather would lose a lot of cattle out there, they'd kind of wander out and then they'd just drown in this quicksand. Huh. Um, so it took them a while to find the body, but ever after that, there would be this car spotted on the road and it's a narrow road. There's no way to turn off it, but the car would be behind you. You would see the taillights, it would be racing. And then you would get to this point where the Barrens ended and Wilson's point began and it would just be gone. Like the car would just disappear. Mm. Um, I don't like that. I remember <laughs> it was the night. Uh, God, this is whenever Michael Jackson's Thriller came out. Um, whenever that was, it was such a big deal that we went to the center of the island to watch it in the village hall. So it's just a bunch of us kids and older people sitting around watching Michael Jackson's Thriller. Um, so we watched it that night and went to a party at the neighbor's house right next door and afterward piled into the car and we're on our way home across the barrens. And it still freaks me out to this day when you're little and you're coming home late from a party, you get into this tired state and, you know, your parents are tying quietly in the front of the car and, you know, there's like the Beatles on the radio and it is this weird uh, kind of, you've never felt more comfortable mm -hmm. um, and present in your entire life. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember uh, feeling that way. And then I remember my father saying, look at this son of a bitch. And these bright headlights reflecting off the mirror. So, you know, my father was 
speeding up and then this car would speed up and then he was getting my father uh, is prone to angry outbursts so then my father jacked on his brake um and then the car did the same so finally you know i remember my mother getting freaked out and saying you know please slow down we get to the the end of the baron's road and to be clear there's no it's a straight shot like there's not even a turn so we got to the point road um where the barons ended wilson's point began he slammed on the brakes got out of the car and there was nothing there like at all whoa uh, ugh. that's freaky so yeah i never forgot wow. that one. so that was that was the ghost car i see that um, like any story like that, like that involves a car for some reason freaks me out even more, I think, because it's like, I think in like, if you're in a house and there's a ghost or if you're in an enclosed space, it's like, just leave and you're out of it. But like in that situation, it's like, you can't, it's there's almost like you can't to escape it. You're, you're on just... a narrow dirt road and there are six foot ditches on either side. Like yeah. You you'd have to do like an eight point turn if you ever had to, to like to reverse. It was that tight a road. Right. And, um, and you're and most likely, you. you're most likely out in, you're out in the country. You're trying to go somewhere. So there's already that added anxiety of, I probably need to get home because it's dark. We're in the, you know, if, if you're driving down a country road, it is, it is not like, oh, it's dark in the city. It is no. dark, dark as you'll yeah. get out. Um, on on a night without a moon out there where there's no light pollution, you are on the other side of the moon. You have never experienced a dark of night than you do when you're in the goddamn country and there's no <laughs> moon. Like, no. I mean, this, it sounds like, and the way you explained the island, like it, it sounds so like picturesque, but like it sounds like a, like a movie. Like you get this like just pleasant island and then this just like horrifying stretch of road that is just claiming lives or something like it's just very like ah uh, like the way you said like i could like imagine all of it though and i think I, that's why i'm even more terrified i've wanted to do a podcast about the island there in some fashion for a while because it, i've never experienced or seen a place like that much less heard stories and the people there are so down to earth to the point that when things like tragedy strikes um like there have been because it's a fishing village there have been boats out in terrible storms out in the gulf and you know it's complete loss of life with bodies washing ashore um, I was six and I was on my four wheeler when we came across the body of a fisherman that was the mayor of Lamech that had gone scuba diving and just kind of washed up. Um, wow. And, you know, these things kind of happen. So you have this weird juxtaposition of great beauty and also this, this rawness to it. Um, mm -hmm. There was no bridge going to the islands. So you had to take a ferry boat, which was, as a kid, is amazing. You know, you get out and you're in the front of the boat. And um, sometimes we would see seals um, swimming alongside, particularly later in the year. And you finally, we called it crossing over if we were going to go to the <laughs> island. It's, I'm not, like, we'd, we'd call the process crossing over. Yeah. And everyone there would be like, are you crossing over today? And my grandmother's like, probably. So, you know, we'd, we'd 
it, it would be an expedition to go for groceries where, you know, you'd cross yeah. over. So you'd have to shop for a week and then come yeah. back. And then you'd have to wait in line for the ferry boat. But uh, in the wintertime, no ferry boat. So you'd have to drive your car across the Atlantic Ocean <laughs> to go from the island to the next. And because of that, um, particularly in blizzards, a number of people lost their lives by making the mistake of driving out to sea or the car going through the ice. Um, wow. So it was just like almost every man for themselves in the winter. Like yeah, you have to make that trip. There's a risk. You just accept that. It's wild. Yeah. That's crazy. That's so interesting though, that that's yeah. just the way it was there. Were there people that would just stock up and just stay the whole winter, not even try to. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like we're summer folks. It was, you know, our experience there is kind of a joke. We'd go, you know, to the next Island over and come back with three cases of ramen noodles and we'd be good <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Um, everyone else there. I mean, it, it's it's old school pioneer living. Not only mm. is achy breaky heart still being danced in the late <laughs> '90s, um, but people, you know, hunt moose, deer, they'd uh, preserve, they'd have massive freezers, um, and you know, everything canned, and you know, five cords of wood, um, wow. the ability to sustain themselves for an extended period of time, particularly in the winter there. Um, because, you know, you can't really drive across the barrens mm -hmm. if the road is closed. So people have to be prepared for two weeks with the road being closed. Wow. And it, when I watched, uh, God, Stephen King did um, Storm of the Century and mm -hmm. the way in which they were locked in in that island community, I think that's the closest I've ever seen to kind of the experience of what life mm -hmm. is like there. Well, um, that was what I was going to say. The way you explained it made me think of a Stephen King novel almost just like the mm. kind of the vibe of this like Northeastern, like just ocean village fishing town, like something, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, just, it's like beautiful, but ominous all at the same time. Mm -hmm. There's, um, there's also the story of the goo goo, um, which is kind of a hilarious name, but it's, um, <laughs> All of these things are named hilarious things, like the Momo, and I'm like, the Momo like the sounds like, yeah. yes, it sounds like something that you would find in like a, like a, as a Japanese mascot of a town. Welcome, Momo. Momo's here, buddy. Hi, Momo. How you doing? You know, or or a little dumpling. Yeah, a little bit of a dumpling. Someone thought that's a dumpling, and you know what? That kind of looks like the cryptid. Let's call it a Momo. I love it. Love it. So, so what is this? What is this creature thing? So the goo goo um, has kind of a, an interesting backstory. Um, the island itself has a really rich history um, dating back to the 1500s, when um, not I think it was 1598 is when the first Jesuit priests opened a mission there, uh, mm -hmm. and particularly at that point in history the island um, was one of the most coveted places as part of trade between uh, Canada and England. Um, wars, the, a naval battle was fought right off the coast. Um, but fur trade and all of that was, was a huge deal there. Um, the legend was that one of the priests um, had pursued and raped an Indian girl, a Mi'kmaq Indian girl, um, and then killed her 
to hide his crime. And forever after that, this witch covered in seaweed um, in, in this tattered dress would emerge from the ocean and kind of like a siren um, draw men into the deep um, because the island is on top of everything else uh, surrounded um, by a shelf. So you're, you're walking out and it's like ankle deep. And then there's a very steep drop off, like down 20, 30, 50 feet surrounding the island wow. um, with severe undertow. So even when we were kids, we had to be very careful about how far yeah. we walked. But uh, so she supposedly would, would drag people out to their, to drown in their deaths. Um, but it became such um, a local figure that in the summers, we would have a few different festivals, one of which would be the Gugu Festival, um, which would be this massive bonfire. So kind of like the Wicker Man, they would make the Gugu figure and part of a bonfire. And then they would be drinking and music and this, you know, they'd burn the goo goo and banish her back. It became like this whole thing. Um, the island had weird traditions like that, like a tuna festival, the Festival du Temps. They had, um, yeah, it, it was a celebration of the tuna um, where they would have a tuna king, a tuna queen. Uh, and one year I was the tuna prince. <laughs> Are you serious? We booked the Tuna Prince. I was. This is was big. Me. This that is big. Me. This is yeah. a big. This is a big. Like, listen, like you've got to make edits to your website. You have to make this edits to, to be your everywhere. Twitter bio. Like, you have to be. Like, you have to introduce yourself. Be like, hello, my name is Kin. I'm the Prince of Tuna. My my life went downhill after I lost the crown. I was never the same after that. I wish we could like put in. Just like a little graphic right now on the stream, just like under <laughs> just you, just, yeah, just prince, like a just like that in the crown. Mm -hmm. Wow, oh, wow, wow! I the more I hear about this island, though, I really, I I'm very I very much need you to to write and 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 just put this out into the world. Like I we need really more. Want to because it had also the people there. Are yeah. just the wildest characters you'll ever meet. Oh, I'm sure. I am um, sure. Just very strange, unique, eclectic people. Yeah, and it, it it's funny, like when you explain some of these things and sort of almost sometimes how isolated it is. It makes me think of like some places in Appalachia too, and I think there are some similarities there with people and how those conditions can affect. It can affect them and create just really interesting stories. I think, I think part of it is when you're in environments like that, it breeds character. And yeah. so what you end up with is a whole lot of weird characters. Yeah. Like, uh, we had Armas, uh, Hermance, but you pronounce it Armas. She lived a few doors down. Um, she was very French, but she spoke great English. Um, and she was, a little touched um, in that the things that she would say, like um, the AIDS virus came from lobsters. <laughs> and then later it was caused by fluorescent lamps. Uh, oh, oh yeah. she would, she'd be afraid uh -huh. that mosquitoes would get inside her head. So she would roll up newspapers, um, dip them in wax and then stick them in her ears. 
and she would ride down the road on her bicycle wow. like this. Just um, with newspapers, just... Yeah. Wow. wow. But my grandmother, who's a character herself, um, she and my Aunt Brenda would... I mean, they went to... They would go clubbing. Um, mm -hmm. The island had a club in the center, so usually every weekend um, they'd go out. You know, I'd, I'd be home, like, reading by myself, um, and I was fine anyways. The neighbor would check in on me. And then they would come home at like one o'clock in the morning with fast food that they got from the local place. It was like eating clams at like one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but they would take our moss with them because she was always looking for the man that got away. Um, and one time they, they convinced her that they were in a relationship together. My grandmother, my aunt. Uh -huh. And that they they were going to ask her if she was interested in joining them just to mess with her and so she got so angry <laughs> she started to get out of the moving car and then eventually they had to convince her you know that, that, that this was they were just messing with her but so there were absolutely some characters yeah so when you now like when you write and create characters do any of these people ever influence traits that you that you create in these characters? Those people have a very special place in my head and heart. Yeah. Um, any of the people in our podcast are either facets of me mm -hmm. or are people that I've known that maybe are, are overly exaggerated. Um, and then other ones come from nowhere. Um, mm -hmm. Susie, for instance, is a character, the, the little girl Susie. She's perpetually frozen, 12-year-old girl mm -hmm. who's, who's ghoulified. Um, and her possessed talking doll, Ella, came to me in the most ungodly nightmare dream that I had um, not too long after episode two. I had a dream that um, I was walking down a road in Appalachia, like I was in 76. Mm -hmm. And I came across, I actually have it. I came across this little girl at a lemonade stand with huh. the face of a corpse uh, and this, this talking devil doll selling lemonade that was poisoned, killing people, robbing them, and then just kind of, you know, putting their body in the bushes mm -hmm. and then going on to the next character. Uh, and that was such a striking visual. I thought, oh my God, that character has to exist. So she came yeah. from wherever stuff like that comes from. Other characters like Brian, who's another really popular character. Shout out to Mark, who's in chat here. Um, the voice by Dr. Mark Houseworth. Um, that character came from someone that I knew when I was in Boy Scouts, um, who is, like, I enjoyed the outdoors, but I didn't take it very seriously. And then you have someone who's like an overachieving, like order of arrow, Eagle Scout kind of type person who has a sash with every goddamn merit badge you've ever seen, yeah. including ones that shouldn't even exist, uh, like like animal husbandry mm -hmm. or uh, recreational wickery or, or, or whatever it yeah, is. Right. Um, like, and he would always be annoyingly upbeat and optimistic like you know in 80 degrees when you're climbing a mountain and you're really just excited to get up to the top and take some pictures 
and he's like singing like let's go gang this is great yeah uh, really you just want to to kill that person and leave them for dead mm-hmm. um <laughs> that so he came from a, a real person that i knew and then i just kind yeah. of exaggerated him um the other characters represent um parts of of me or my personality or mm-hmm. things like that awesome huh yeah so it, a culmination of a lot of things there yeah yeah it's it's interesting like hearing you tell stories about about growing up in the uh, you know in, in this island area and kind of the impact of like obviously you know how many people live in this island ken about how many people do you 558 think? right the the impact is is very small but the footprint that it makes seems to be like very very large and there's you know probably some sort of mystery surrounding the island in which you know the people that live there are like no it's not actually like that but i mean there's you know there's something kind of out there it, it, there's a novelty aspect to it, and then there's like a like weird reality to a lot of to, to that. Probably, am, am I am I kind of hitting close to that? Yeah, um, I mean, some of these you tell these stories, and people are like, "What? There's a place that's actually like that? Like, what the mm-hmm. hell kind of upbringing did you have?" Um, it, it seems like such a at the time that you're living it. I mean, it seems perfectly normal, but removed from it. And then particularly when I come home, it's like a, a different world here. Um, and then unfortunately, after my my grandmother passed away, the house um, hadn't been taken great care of, partly because she couldn't really afford to do so. But, you know, the main beams went and the sills went. So the house is unsafe and unstable to be in. Right. Um, so this summer, I actually have to... to clean it out, tear it down. Then eventually we're going to build something else there. But places like that are, are moments in time that once the elements change, the recipe is never the same. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I remember eventually the, a bridge was put in and once the bridge was put in, um, you know, you get a lot more people who aren't from the island building homes um, or moving to the island just to live there, um, all of which changes the culture. And then another part of it is eventually over time, even, you know, modern things come to the island, which is the Internet. So you get satellite TV and the Internet and the kind of present organic experiences of sitting around a wood stove telling stories of a world gone by where you couldn't imagine what it was like in the early part of the last century living here um, and telling these stories and passing these stories down. All of that changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's all the more important. And that isn't just there. That's everywhere. Yeah. Um, we've, we've, lost or we're allowing ourselves to lose the art of storytelling and most importantly chronicling storytelling so stories of people and places and folklore it's so important to to capture that and to keep telling those stories because they inevitably get lost and fade if they aren't told i mean that's that's a common thing that's that's 
that we battle with in Appalachia where it's, you know, a lot of these communities, a lot of these like old communities, just people are moving. They, you know, nobody sticks around. There's generally no business, Mm -hmm. but people stay there because they, they like, you know, their little slice of the town and they like their little slice of the thing. But uh, either those places tend to fall off or they become more touristy and more open to and, and kind of but either way there is kind of a loss um there's kind of a loss in that, in that community yeah. and it's interesting i mean even last night I, I, I was talking to a guy that had that had grown up in charleston before it was a thing and him talking about like like little downtown stores in like the the back corners of the room when people would come in and and, and talk to them about their problems or talk like this guy, this guy runs like a tailor store in town, like, like a very, like you don't see a lot of tailors out, you know, cruising the streets of the malls of America, you know, <laughs> like, you're pretty much getting the discount clothing stores. But I, the amount of history that comes, that comes with a lot of the places, I feel like that somehow like there, there's a little bit of loss. Um, and, and I think, I think part of it, it's, it's up to our generation, not necessarily to, to, to you know, continue that tradition to be so traditionalized, but to carry kind of the stories of what what things were and what things mm-hmm. what things occurred, and, and and I think that's the you know the magic of of a generation that didn't grow up with you know, with TVs or didn't grow up with a lot of media is you know taking that in their storytelling prowess and and their ability to engage community. I would say. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, what are what are we gonna do with that? It's like, what's our onus of that? Like, obviously, we can't, you know, as much as we would love to, we can't, you know, sit around and hold up to the beams of of, of these places and, and hold the stuff up. Like, you know, things move on. Like, it becomes it becomes very hard to have, you know, a house from the the eighteen hundreds or seventeen hundreds because then it's like. Well, you know, the foundation of this house is broken or there's, you know, something wrong like that whole that whole setup is is gone, but it's I think it's I think it's really left up to us and and and, and, a, and a new generation of people to come in and say, "Okay, these are the stories that we want to keep because that's I think the important thing." You know, it's it's funny when you're talking when you're talking about this stuff and it's like talking about uh what was it goo goo and you know that's a silly sounding name, but I mean that's that's probably something very personal to a lot of people. Like that's that's like a cherished memory of of, mm-hmm. of this you know of this creature and these these you know the rituals and everything. Yeah, I mean, and part of it lends itself organically to to the imagination and experience and joy of childhood, mm-hmm. where you're kind of you live in a state you feel like these things are very real and yet you dance into that darkness and you purposely go looking for them. Um, like the, there was, uh, Little Treasure is, um, it was a little spit of an Island right at the end of our peninsula that these, was separated. These French Canadian people coming in here trying to get us to pronounce everything correctly. Look at these people. <laughs> and, uh, it was it was a, a Micmac Indian summer colony, not by the time that um, that I was there, but when my my great grandmother, when she was younger, she would remember the the uh, Micmac Indians coming to the island for the summer, 
and they would set up, you know, tents and everything on the island, uh, fish and um, everything, and then they'd head back to the to the southwest for the winter. Um, but we there was always a story that Billy the Kid had come to the island and had buried pirate treasure on there. Um, and that story had been told for, for over 150 years, passed down, um, that there was treasure somewhere on the island. And a, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit like, uh, God, what's the name of the island off the coast of uh, in Nova Scotia? Um, God, it's the most famous buried treasure island. I can't even think of it now. Funniest part about this is I was looking at a map of Nova Scotia this morning. Don't ask me why. That's, <laughs> that's, that's out there. God, I don't remember what it is now. Mm. But anyway, so we kids, you know, we would get our shovels in the summer, and then we would we would swim over to the island with shovels in hand, uh, and then, you know, we'd, we'd poke around through there and dig. And a few times we found arrowheads or, like, little artifacts. Um, even by the time I was little, you could still see the circular impressions where they would always set up the tents where the, the peat moss was kind of placed down. Hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you go looking for these places. Of course, we never found treasure, but. So, so there's, there's all these stories, you know, and, and all of this, you know, culture that, that impacted your life early on. Later on, did you like outside of obviously like storytelling in the podcast, but even before that, had you looked into any of this stuff? Had this been of interest to you? Um, storytelling or just, uh, no, these like weird, I mean, I guess the stories in general, but like, I think you had mentioned you were, you were doing some things with kind of not necessarily, I guess the kind of weird out outlandish things in your twenties, right? With some exploring yeah. that you were doing. I mean, even when in our teenage years, we, we got into urban exploration, um, like even in, in Newburyport, there was uh, right down the street from where I grew up in Massachusetts, it was Maudsley State Park, um, which in and of itself has, has was a really terrifying urban legend around it about the Hell's Gates. Um, but it was this massive estate um, that the mansions had, had been torn down, I think in the seventies that were on there, but you were left with this beautiful state park mm. with trails uh, and wells and these almost, um, these creepy hedge mazes to get lost in. Uh, the place was just awesome. So, I mean, we would sneak out at night and go down there and scare the crap out of ourselves, just kind of wandering through this, this creepy place. Um, but starting there, because some of the, the outbuildings, the barns, the keeper's cottage um, were still there, even though the mansions weren't. So we would kind of wander through those places and take pictures uh, we never destroyed anything. It was right. more about, I don't know what it was, but I've always found places like that where removed from people, they very quickly lose the life that keeps them suspended in time where they go from a state where this is a home to something that is just a house. And once it's a house, entropy takes hold and windows start to crack and roofs start to leak and vegetation returns. And there's such a beautiful melancholy to those places where 
you walk into them and they have a very particular energy still where they they feel the weight of years and you can almost feel that moving through them where you feel like you just miss people, where people were laughing or crying and finding love and confronting death and all of these things. Um, I've always been really drawn to places like that. So even later on in my 20s, we started actively doing that. Like I spent many an illegal evening breaking into the Danvers State Asylum, which is uh, an amazing place that unfortunately isn't what it, well, fortunately or unfortunately isn't what it was because it's now the majority of the buildings were demolished and now it's like condos for, for Boston power brokers. But, uh, Those power brokers are probably having really terrible sleeps. I'm just, yeah, I, I've got to think that. I do have a great story about that place, though. Yeah, um, let's hear it. Yeah. So um, if you ever uh, check into this, there are still some stuff on YouTube. Um, back then, um, getting into the place, there were the, the places connected to the sewer systems. And Reaganomics, when the place was shut down um, in the 80s, I think it was 85 or 86, um, they, they literally just took the patients, put them on buses. Um, some of the more severely um, and violent ones were transferred to other facilities, but the majority of them were just, you know, put on buses, dropped into homeless shelters. And eventually some of those people who'd only ever known this place's home came back to Danvers and were living in rooms and underneath. Mm. Um, it was a Kirkbride complex, um, which... Dr. I believe it's Thomas Kirkbride or Samuel Kirkbride um, is his first name, but his concept was revolutionary for the time at a, at a period where the mentally ill were, were really tortured. And these, these are people, it would be women suffering from anxiety or um, depression that would be checked into these places as being mentally unfit. And the stories from, from that period of time are very sad, but Kirkbride believed that if you put people in a place and surrounded them with air and light and nature, that it would be a good thing. And it was until the, the system became so filled that there wasn't room for, for light and sun. The places became overcrowded, including Danvers. Um, so they would move patients um, from building to building in these massive tunnels underneath the place. Um, and it was in those tunnels that if you access from the sewer system, you could kind of get into from there. Um, and one time Dunkin' Donuts coffees in hand, um, we were moving through the tunnels underneath one of the complexes and came around a corner. And this, this is the closest I have ever been to losing control of my bowels in any scary situation <laughs> I've ever been in because there was literally a wheelchair in the middle of this tunnel and a person in a white gown or a shirt sitting there is a woman with long scraggly ass hair facing away from us. So I saw that stopped, could literally feel my bladder. <laughs> and she slowly turned around and looked at us. And we slowly backpedaled and got the hell out of there. It wasn't a ghost. It was an actual person. But um, a lot of the homeless people that were living in the buildings and underneath the tunnels there were 
kind of the sad after effect of people that had only lived in Danvers, mm -hmm. um, who, you know, were kind of tossed out into the surrounding towns and found their way home. But, uh, yeah, that would be terrifying to see, though. That, yeah, that would that, be absolutely that, terrifying. That was, yeah, that was that was an oh hell no moment. It's like one of those moments where like you almost would have welcomed the ghost a little bit more if it was not a real person. Like that's like just seeing a real person in that situation. Uh, it's right. very unsettling. Because there's a barrier between you and ghosts. Like like there's a yeah. I feel I feel like there's some sort of barrier there that there's like a you know there's a social contract when you go into a meeting with yeah. a ghost you know that it's like you're gonna come and do some like things in the corner of my eye but hey if you want to blow on my neck or make my <laughs> my hairs rise right. or whatever you want to do you yeah. do that but if you're gonna sit uh, in this creepy ass tunnel uh, and then maybe come at me with a rusty hypodermic needle uh, I'm gonna have to say no that's yeah. gonna be a hard mm. no for me yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be a hard move. Well, I I think I've had about I've had about enough of this because if we keep on going, it's gonna be. I mean, I'm just never gonna want to go to New England. It's gonna be too scary. I do have to say though that Austin's scary ass story that we did for the Robots Radio Network crossover <laughs> was just about the most terrifying goddamn story I have ever heard. Like when I was editing it, it was late at night. You know, it's. It's October for fun's <laughs> So I'm sitting here in the dark uh, editing, and as it goes on, I'm like, okay, I start turning on the lights. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, if you would have been there when, when, I, when we recorded that, though, it wouldn't have been as scary because we were just in that room Dave's in, and it was, like, super bright, and we're just, like, sitting there, and I was like, all right, I've got to remember this story. And it was, like, super casual. But then, like, when I listened back to it, I was like, damn, this shit sounds scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, damn, this sounds... And I think it's just I've told it so many times now that it doesn't freak me out anymore. Right. But that... But, like, your stories just now, like, I have been sitting here like, ugh, like, it's just got me... Yeah. I, I had chills. But I, the way that you explain things is so, like, beautifully said. I feel like you should... It's almost like you're a writer. And, you should and you have write, an audio podcast, things. like, yeah. where you're writing stuff. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> well, we like to end this show with a little segment <laughs> where we talk about what we are excited for. Uh, just a little tidbit of things that we're excited for in the coming future. It doesn't have to be this week. It doesn't have to be next week. could be this year. Who knows? Uh, and I am going to begin this segment because I, I had a brilliant idea. It came to me in my sleep. Last night, I had some weird dreams, but I woke up. My weird dream was that I was a TikTok producer for um, Mark Hamill. And at one point, he, he, he had a, a, a tennis ball that he lit on fire. And he was like, guys, watch this. And he caught it in his mouth. And I was trying to think of what music to set behind that, because that's what you do on TikTok. And I came up with Pitbull's Fireball, like the, the you know, uh, hip-hop song that he sings, right? Is that, is that Pitbull that does that Fireball, you know? I think it is. I think it is. And I came up with that, but then I accidentally backed out of the video, and I couldn't do it because all that footage deleted, and we didn't want to set another tennis ball on fire. <laughs> Anyways, that's entirely irrelevant. I woke up from the dream, and I had an idea. I have missed Halloween. I have missed Halloween a great deal. Uh, last year, we, we, we didn't do anything for Halloween for obvious reasons. Um, and I've gotten into woodworking since the 
I guess p- pandemic had, had kind of had kind of started. So I've converted a room in my basement to kind of be like woodworking. I'm working on putting all of my mead stuff down there uh, and doing everything down there. But I was thinking, I want to build some Halloween decorations. Uh, I from Holler to like Highway, we've got you covered six ways to Sunday. Mothman and like stick it up on my porch so that it's like peering out the porch, like be able to paint it, get in there, get like a projector and paint that stuff. And I'm already excited thinking about it. That has me excited. I'm like, I want to do that today. I want to start Halloween prep today. I love this joy. I love the energy and I, the joy that. I'm so excited. And I'm like, I, if I do Mothman, I got to put up Flatwoods Monster. And I'm thinking, I'd be the coolest house in the neighborhood. And eventually, I feel like this is going to like keep on like, like churning in my head. And I'm going to have a house that's like, it's a small world for cryptids. So it's going to be like yeah. <laughs> little cryptids popping up. There's a house in Beckley or a neighborhood in Beckley, actually, uh-huh. um, that I just recently saw. And um, one of my friends went there and all of the houses on this block, I think it was like seven or eight houses. They all have like dinosaurs and creatures and things like littered throughout the yards and on their roof. Like it was everywhere. You need to start that, but with cryptids on your street. Yes. Yes. That, that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to have that for Halloween. I have some roof space as well, so it might be fun to put something on the roof, but I'm, I'm curious what I You can I use your grapple hook. You, you know, can pull it's, that out. it's early enough that you can go on Fiverr and have, like, your own custom theme song just kind of playing spoopy on the radio. Like, uh, what you gonna do when the script is on your street? Yeah, <laughs> I like that. What you gonna do when the script is in your feet? Sounds like he's already got it ready for you, Dave. You don't yeah, need I know. I don't, I don't need... Yeah, you got it. I'm just going to lay it on that track. I mean, I'm just going to copy that and then put that on the, <laughs> the FMA and broadcaster and call it a day, you know? <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's what I'm excited for. What about you, Austin? What are you excited for? Um, I am excited. Actually, right before um, the show a little bit ago, I found out that my, one of my favorite... Um, breweries, which is in Asheville, North Carolina, is opening a spot in Charlotte, which I frequent Charlotte a lot more than Asheville. And I'm excited for that because I feel like that can be my little, uh, that'll be like just a treat, you know? What's the name? I don't have to go to Asheville. It's a burial beer. Mm -hmm. It's burial, burial, I think it's just called burial, but on Instagram, it's like burial beer, hashtag not an ad, but they are great. And you should check, especially if you're in North Carolina. I think they've got a place in Raleigh and Asheville, and then Charlotte. But I just found out that they shipped to Kentucky, and my parents live in Kentucky, so I'm about to use them as like a proxy. I'm gonna try to get try to get that uh, like a, like a monthly shipment there. Yeah. Um, but I'm pumped for that. I'm like, look at that. It's gonna be right there near uh, some of my friends in Charlotte. So once um, once I get this second vaccination, I might have to make a trip down. I've already booked. Uh, my, I booked my vacation this past week for. I got my. I have my second vaccination on the calendar, and I have my vacation already planned. <laughs> I'm. I'm so excited. So yeah. ready. But that is. Uh, that is what I'm excited about. Ken, what are you excited about? I'm excited for vaccinations. Hey, I feel that. Hey, come to West Virginia now. I'm ready. We're the second state in in the United States to have it completely open from 16 to. However long, you can book a vaccination appointment and get one. I think the first state was Alaska, which makes sense. First state was Alaska to do that. Um, We've been been very lucky here, I think. Close these blinds. Keep keep talking. No, you're fine. You just look like you're gonna like steal my burger from some you know McDonald's ad of some sort. It's fine. If you flip this to back in black and white, it looks like you're in kind of a noir jailhouse movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
I started seeing the lines. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. This is getting bad. Austin in prison. No, I, I, hope, that, I hope that other states... It, it seems very strange from how this is all rolling out, but I... I understand it one yeah. it was like one week I thought I was maybe like two months out from it and that it was like a, I got a call and it was like let's go get a vaccination and now it's like everybody yeah. it's a free-for-all so did you feel like Thanos when you, I felt like Thanos when I like when he put on the, the gauntlet as soon as I hit my bloodstream I was just like <laughs> I just could feel it but then uh I, I they've told me they were like the second one's gonna kick your ass like you're gonna be down for the count so I'm just like ready for that but mm. I don't know. It's I think that's that's a good thing to be excited about because huh, what a weird ass year it's been. Yeah. Yes, it has, it has been a very very strange year. Um, the the good news about the vaccinations though, and I mean the main point of getting it now is now um, uh, uh, Krispy Kreme they'll give you a free donut. <laughs> Saw that every day you come in if you've been really vaccinated. that's why I want to be vaccinated. Right. It's like the evolution of the Bucket Club. I like, need that sweet, warm donut in my belly. <laughs> I I think the closest Krispy Kreme for me is Charleston. So yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you have Jolly Pirate up there, so and we all know that we all know that how great Jolly Pirate is. Ken, let me tell you something. If you see a restaurant that says, "Hey, we're gonna make donuts and euros." And that's like, we're going to do Mediterranean food and donuts. Do you trust the donut to be a quality donut? Like just from that information it's alone. Donut. It's very quality. I wouldn't immediately think uh, for my donut experience, uh, I need to go to a Mediterranean restaurant. Listen, that, that, though. That wouldn't immediately come to mind, but hey, you know. If they didn't do it, that was going to be next week's million dollar idea. <laughs> they already took it, so... I'm just saying. Well, it and then works. they named it, it Jolly well. Pirate. Like, what? What is the branding here? You know, we, you Listen, need to sit down and be like. They're from Greece. The family is from Greece. Right. Very fine people. I'm I sure. know them. They're great people. Great. Yeah. And they make great donuts. And they just happen to like they they make the donuts fresh. Like they're so good. And the heroes just happen to also be good. So it's like, why not have both? You know, yeah. more profit. But why are they are are they pirates? Well, I will say, so the one in Ashland, Kentucky, which is where I used to live mm -hmm. across the state border, they didn't sell yours. It's strictly donuts. So you just need to go there since yeah. you have some qualms with, with I the do. euros. And you, yeah. I need to go to the, the like a Jolly Pirate donut. That sounds delightful. It's so good. It's delicious. But the Krispy Kreme vaccination thing, I think I saw that and I was like, oh, our vaccine numbers are about to go through the roof. I think it's both amazing and sad in equal parts like, <laughs> yeah. how american is it with a global pandemic where the thing that's going to get you to get off your ass and go out and take care of yourself not for you but for your family and everyone you come yeah. into contact with is a donut what the hell it's what? quite american that's a very American thing. I mean, it's a deal. Like, I, I mean, let's think about <laughs> it. Deal. Let's think about it from like a breakfast. Like, that's a lot of caloric intake. So let's say, <laughs> I mean, you go every day for breakfast and get a free donut and some water. I mean, you've got the sugar content to like go like, you know, fight a kangaroo. I don't know. You know, how many calories are in a Krispy Kreme glazed donut? Probably like what? A thousand? Twelve hundred? Like, you're In set. one donut? I hope not. I feel I, like 
like those girls who used to sing the double mint commercial, the double mint gum commercial, yeah. could probably make a comeback getting people like, if you want a vaccination, it's time for Krispy Kreme Donut. And they just have happy people like biting into it, like in the Mentos commercial for some <laughs> reason, like biting into it, giving each other thumbs up and then like running a marathon, sitting in a restaurant. There's like a girl on a bike smiling at the beach. Um, all of those little things. I feel like they should go one step ahead and Krispy Kreme should set up at vaccination sites. And when you get the vaccine, you're, you can have a donut as you're getting it. Yeah. Kind of start the process. Yeah. Why not have intravenous on one side, you're getting the vaccination and then you've got the Krispy Kreme filling that's getting piped right into you on the opposite side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just straight, straight to line it, go straight, straight right for it. <laughs> Or like use the donut as like a targeting device to be like, all right, we're gonna shut this, the shot right here, and then when we're done, I'm gonna leave the donut. It's gonna be a pleasant surprise. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I think that I think we've gotten we've got a lot covered today. Um, you know, covered and glazed. I think we've just glazed our whole this whole podcast. I did this whole podcast is glazed. Um, if you want to listen to Vault Boys, we are live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. And you can get us on all different podcast services. We're on iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, you can give us a review on iTunes for five stars. If you give us a five-star review, we really appreciate that. Uh, we can, you know, I don't think we've shouted out people in a while, but we should do that again. That would be fun. I just like making up rules in the go. This is my planning meeting. Now you're in the planning portion. So, like, we're going to workshop <laughs> ideas. So, like, this is where we start talking about making the grappling hook. Um if you want to follow us on Twitch, that would be great. We're trying to get some more followers on there. So uh, if you listen in your car or you are just, you know, a podcast listener on your device, give us a little follow on Twitch. You may not ever watch us live, but it's always good to have that option. Uh, now, I will hand the floor over to Kenneth Figu. Kenneth Figu, tell me what you've got going on in your life. Uh, well, right now, we are finishing the final part of our The Sickle Man is Here uh, part that was going to just be like a two hour story. And I kind of turned it into like a five hour marathon that we had to split into <laughs> multiple parts. Um, so we're in the middle of, of editing that that'll drop. And then, and then, uh, 84 years later, the cryptid creeps episode, uh, guest starring Dave Chaffins, uh, will be, we'd be plugging itself right into your ear holes. Um, that episode is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it will find Simon, uh, desperate for caps, finding a, a very strange poster in the train station uh, and then going to uh, work as an intern for Cryptid Creeps Incorporated. Um, they are uh, going to be, be drinking a lot of moonshine uh, and hunting cryptids. Um, it's going to go about as well as you would think. That sounds great. So where where uh, where can we catch this podcast? Where is it at? At uh, follow76podcast.com. You can find links to, at this point, every podcasting service, however you like to listen to shows, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, uh, Samsung Smart Fridge. If you, wherever, you, <laughs> wherever you like to digest your audio content, we're there. What about Zune? You got Zune yet? You got anything on uh, Zune? That's confidential. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Got the, but you know, backdoor. You know, now that Microsoft's bought Bethesda, you know, they're bringing Bethesda's bringing their own Zune out. The and... circle is complete. <laughs> Finally, uh, Austin. What about you, buddy? Ah, uh, 
me, I don't really have a whole lot going on right now. Just uh, I'm ready for spring, things to bloom so I can get out and get some photos and do some hiking and just get out of my apartment a little more. Yeah, you got to uh, come visit me. Yeah, that's the thing. Once this, I get vax, I get to that second vax next week, I can, I'll feel more comfortable. And uh, I just, I've, you know, in West Virginia, especially taking photos without things blooming, I, I just, there's not a lot for me to work with right now that I haven't already taken. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm ready for spring. I'm ready for things to start blooming. Mud season and, is just depressing. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's rough. But uh, that's really on. what I've got going on. Yeah, get shorts on, skies out, thighs yeah. out, you know? Yeah, you know? seasonal depression just out the window, regular depression right back in, you know? Yeah. Just balancing right that out. out. Right, you know? <laughs> it's like going from, you're going on the diet, and you're taking the Coca-Cola away, and you're just putting the Diet Coke right there. I mean, that's all, yeah. that's all exactly. part of that. Exactly. Uh, the stuff I've got going on, I uh, obviously, you know, I'm doing this podcast, but I also do another podcast called uh, The Fallout Hub, uh, it has uh, two other hosts, uh, one being Tom, uh, who does the Fault Lore class, another one being Kenneth Figue, who does Chad of Fallout 76 podcast. Uh, you may know him. Son of a, stole my idea. <laughs> you may know him. Um, he, 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 you know, tends to be some, sometimes near me in some form or fashion. Uh, but that's every other Tuesday at five. We do that live and then that goes out in podcast services. Uh, and outside of that, that's it. Other than I'm gonna, man, I'm gonna, I'm like ready to cut some plywood and make some Mothman, you know? <laughs> I'm ready. Get that grappling hook ready. We have work yeah. to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Gotta, gotta, gotta get the, 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 the butt bank. Mothman butt bank. Oh, man. Oh. It's not gonna stuff itself. <laughs> Well, let me tell you what a, a what a, what a, what a butt bank a butt bank is definitely something that will have you covered from holler to highway six ways to Sunday.